Just start the thing. Listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we'll spoil. But first, we'll talk about some recently watched, which we may or may not spoil. <laughs> we probably won't. Um, we thank the Moon Rays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find the music on Amazon or Apple Music where you could buy it digitally or say hello to them on Facebook where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And we are not professional critics. We're your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolien. And Will. Goodbye. So, guys, um, since we did this last, um, what have you watched? Any uh, recently watched to speak of? Uh. You want to go first? All right. I watched, um, finished watching a couple of series. Um, so uh, Ultraman Cosmos, that was excellent. Um, the Mysterious Doctor Satan. Doctor Satan. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Satan. With the robots? Kind of gives away who's the bad guy in this. Would you go to a doctor? He was recommended, <laughs> but his name was Doctor Satan. Definitely. Yeah. I yeah. went to a dentist named Jack Ruby. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did he say why? He I did it. Didn't, I didn't ask him. <laughs> and it's like, how are you still alive? Anyway, they just Dr. Satan. hit him. <laughs> so this, um, uh, this is from 1940. Uh, this is a serial which started out as a... Uh, the script started out as um, they were going to do Superman, but they couldn't get the rights. Okay. But there's still DC things left in there like well it wasn't dc at the time but it was, was national it? it was national periodicals isn't it so the the hero he puts on this this hood and he's the the copperhead but his his civilian name is bob wayne hmm. uh-huh. and then the the heroine's name is lois but his surname's scott oh um so anyway uh so they're fighting uh dr satan who's played by edward chianelli who plays lots of evil gangsters uh he was in the mummy's hand the same year um the uh the the robot which is the classic you know boiler robot um is played by tom Steele, who was the uh he was a stunt man he was the, he was the thing from another world in when they set it on fire and oh, okay um it's an appropriate name for a robot. Yeah. Tom Steele. Oh, speaking of robots, one of the henchmen in this is called Gort. Oh, really? Interesting. This is the same year the original story of the Davios was still came out. Interesting. I think it was called Farewell to the Master. Weird. Anyway, um, this was uh, this uh, rang a bell in Turkey for some reason, and it was remade in 1972 as The Deathless Devil. Huh. Hmm. In Turkey. Yeah. In Turkey. Um, Top Gun Maverick. Oh, what you think Have you seen that? this one? No. I have not, but... People love this movie. It's one of the most popular movies last year. I know. Uh, this is directed by Joseph Kaczynski. Um, I thought, uh, if you count Star Wars as one, then I've seen this set up three times. <laughs> um, so starting with 633 Squadron which is based on a couple of actual incidents. Um, you know, the climax is planes fly down a valley to hit a small target and take out a ultimate weapon. Huh. Sounds hmm. vaguely familiar. Sure. Um, so anyway, this is the third time I've seen it. It works. Yeah, no. Um, it was good enough. Star Wars did it four or five times. Yeah, that's why I count it as one plot. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, every Star Wars ends with... Like race down <laughs> they've got to go somewhere and hit a target and stop the ultimate weapon um so uh yeah so the difference between 
uh, Maverick and uh, Six Three Three Squadron is um, the original was uh, had consequences, and there was a human em- enemy. Mm. And this one is like Disney War. It's were they bullseyeing womp rats? Basically, okay, just checking. Um, there's this like unnamed enemy, played by Canada. <laughs> Should have just made it Canada. <clears throat> and uh, and those those evil Canadians are coming up with some. Uh, what was it? Uh, making a bomb or something? A maple bomb. And uh, to stop them, you've got to bomb this particular air shaft and uh, wipe out their maple syrup facilities. Yeah. So uh, it's a uh, you know it's a it's a it's a war fantasy about um, bombing the. Booming our neighbors. Um, wow. Anyway. Uh, Man, they're passive aggressive. I don't like them anyway. As soon as it was over, Emily said, uh, well, that broke my clicheometer. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. Uh, seeing it in IMAX would have been awesome because like, uh, the aspect ratio changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell when the IMAX bits kick in. Mm. It would have been spectacular. It's, I mean, it's, it's exciting stuff. It's all well edited and you've got the music going and... And if it's filling your peripheral vision, you would just be getting the yeah stuff going the stomach feelings whoosh whoosh and things blowing up. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, the the whole message seemed to be uh, manned planes are good, unmanned planes bad, but this mission in real life would be drones. Yeah. And uh, the. Uh, just because they're manned planes, they've still got. There's, there's no moral conflict involved. There's no consequences mm. um, for what they do. You know, in in real life, this would have set off another war. Oh. Um, I, I thought uh, if they do a sequel to this one, um, they should have a, an elite drone squadron. Call it Top Button. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So I know people love this movie. We did not. Hmm. You know, it's got very exciting bits. Looks great. Were, were they self-conscious enough to uh, Jennifer Connelly's in it? Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, so lots of eye candy. Um, w- w- was all the rhetoric about the um, the original movie enough to make them back off on the homoerotic subplots? Uh, yeah, the main romance plot here is heterosexual, but they still got like shirtless guys on the beach. Yeah, like, tweaking each other's nipples and yeah. Running and kicking sand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's Flexing. weird. No, yeah. fighter pilots kiss each other in the mouth <laughs> after a successful mission. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is one female pilot. Oh, okay. And they don't like her, do they? Oh, she's fine. She's she's one of the, one of the guys. One of the best ones, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's weird because when, when you hear like somebody break it down, the first movie was, yeah, the, the, the dude was kind of into the other dude, but. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I, that's probably one of the things I've most enjoyed about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not complaining. It's just like people didn't even seem to notice it until somebody like Quentin Tarantino pointed it out. Yeah, I didn't get it from him. It was it was dead obvious. Yeah, no, it was just <laughs> watching the movie. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. these guys seem to be into each other. Good for them. Yeah, I guess. fine. <laughs> um, that guy seems kind of like a jerk, but all right. yeah, all right, Iceman, so, but. <laughs> Having having annoyed lots of people, um, <clears throat> Halloween ends, aka Halloween the thirteenth. Ooh, jeez. Um, going into this, I was expecting Halloween the thirteenth. Jason goes to hell mm-hmm. because from the trailers, it's um, evil is a parasite that gets passed around. Mm-hmm. So I thought, all right, Jason goes to hell. It follows. Yeah. Um, so that was a. I was expecting that, but what I got. Um, it was kind of that, but it was uh, it seemed like a Stephen King mashup. Yeah, this was Michael Pennywise. Yeah, lives in a sewer under a bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I, didn't, I didn't think of that, but yeah, good point. Um, he's he's uh, evil has spread throughout the town <clears throat> like it's dairy. Yeah, it's um, contagious. Everyone's horrible. Yep. Why are people are staying in this town? I don't know. This this latest Michael Myers. Um, rampage has broken them it just it has broken them and they're all just awful now and everyone's pointing fingers everyone's just sort of mean and or or just upset or weirded out and the movie opens with this jerk face kid who's who's babysitting 
uh, this jerk face kid. And uh, oh, that movie kid. Oh Jesus! Such a movie kid. Oh yeah, like he's worse than the Babadook kid. <laughs> um, so there's this bratty, awful child who's being babysat by a guy who's supposed to be what twenty one. Mm. Looks like he's about thirty. Yep. <clears throat> and he's a jerk face. And uh, uh, well, without too many spoilers, one of them ends up dead, and the other one ends up ruining the rest of the movie. <laughs> 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 so that's all I'm going to say. Pretty much. His name is Corey Cunningham, which brings in the, the other Stephen King. Oh. Uh, he works at a junkyard. Uh, okay, yeah. I was getting Christine vibes in this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the evil makes him more of a man. Mm, it does. Gives him a makeover. Uh, he gets a new confidence. Ve- gets a new vehicle. Yeah. Um. The bully gang uh, trashes his new ride. Uh-huh. Is this familiar? <laughs> You're vaguely sure. I mean, as John Carpenter was accepting his huge check. Yeah. He must have been chuckling away. Yeah. He's, he's just spending it in his head and laughing. Yeah. Did this movie, did it great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Four years ago. Um, pretty boring. I was befuddled by the screenwriting... Um, uh, dialogue the um, it, was, it was just clunky didn't, yeah. didn't sound like human beings no humans don't say this stuff um, yeah I didn't know by the end of it if Laurie thought that Michael was even evil incarnate or a man because she says both things and she'll say it within one scene yeah literally hmm. yeah of course things that would kill Michael have happened in other movies movies she was in and they didn't kill him, so... Those movies didn't happen, though. <laughs> well, I think... The... Only the first one, and then they jumped to 2018. But then they refer to the other ones, too. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, of course they do. Yeah, like, including the, the typeface for the title was from Halloween 3. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah you'll see it when you... When, when it you... comes up, yeah. yeah the... It's just... Why? The, the writing. I mean, the, the part that should have cost the least... Yes. And should have carried the most was just bad. Yeah. Uh, and and as somebody who wants to like it, who wants better for them, to for me to be this completely disappointed by it tells you something about it. Oh man, I can't wait. Oh, will brace yourself. <laughs> oh, I'm eager now. Yeah, we are looking forward to you seeing this movie. I am. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. And somehow, I hope it's worse than you guys are describing. You know, if it, if it were to get what it deserves, it would have lost money. But no, mm-hmm. it had a $33 million production budget. Of course, it doesn't say here what, what the advertising budget was. But $33 million production budget, and it grossed $105 million. And like a jerk, I bought the Blu-ray. So I'm just encouraging them is what I'm saying. Yep. <laughs> Jeez. It's going to be another Halloween. Halloween begins anew. <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Jerk face. Next Halloween. <laughs> Halloween jerk face. <laughs> you know what? We should write a slasher film called Jerk Face. And that'll just be the name of the killer. Jerk face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he wears jerk face's mask. Yeah. Face is a mask. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's a Jeffrey Donovan mask painted yeah. white, and they cut the eye holes a little bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That, what we just said, is a better movie than this steaming turd. <laughs> Who was the, there was some movie recently where they wanted to use Michael Myers, but he couldn't, they couldn't get the rights for the masks, so they asked Mike Myers, <laughs> and they made a oh, mask. Oh, yes. yes. I don't, I haven't seen the movie, I just saw like some little all clip. All the gang was dressed in Yeah, there. all the gang were oh, wearing. That was Baby Driver. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that was a joke in it. They, they, they told the one guy to go buy a bunch of Michael Myers masks, and oh, he okay. bought a bunch of Mike Myers masks. <laughs> the, uh, the um, Austin Powers mask, which was f- really funny. That did make me laugh. Um, so that was a recently watched that you watched, and so yes. did I. Recommends. Let's not do that until <laughs> we're going to cover it in a little more in depth after you watch it. Yeah. All right. 
so uh, I've finished watching all of the Voldemar Deninsky films that are known to exist uh, with Howl of the Devil from 1987. So this is written and directed by Paul Nashi. Um, stars him, of course, and Carolyn Monroe and Howard Vernon. Mm, okay. All right. Good so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, credits play over a still frame of a woman who just got her throat slashed. Hmm. And then you get this like long message comes up on screen saying, this film is a modest homage to Lon Chaney, Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, Jack Pierce, and all the talents of Universal. Monsters. Yeah. Um, that seems appropriate. Yeah. I guess this, that background. Right. Uh, then um, a chauffeur slash uh, necrophile named Eric, who's played by Howard Vernon, picks up a whore who offers him oral sex. Um, uh, he takes her to the house of uh, Alex uh, Dumani, who, um, he, he, who's played by uh, Nashi. Um, he, he, um, he's, he's like this horror star. So he made a lot of money, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then you get to see Paul Nashi dressed up as uh, Rasputin, uh, Frankie. They call him Frankie in the movie. Okay. Uh, Mr. Hyde, his own ghost, uh, the Phantom of the Opera, Bluebeard, uh, Voldemar Dedinsky, of course, uh, Dr. Fu Manchu, Quasimodo, a zombie, and Satan. Uh, he also plays his own brother, Hector, who's this Shakespearean actor and who's therefore poorer and who's jealous of his brother's success. Um, so uh, anyway, um, that's the homage to the Universal bits. But that also goes along with like um, all this gore stuff, like there's like nipple-nipping, chainsaw action, uh, evisceration, multiple stabbings and slashings. Uh, Carolyn Munro plays uh, Carmen the cook, and uh, she's lusted after by Hector and uh, the local priest, uh, Damien. Um, there's a, there's also uh, an S and M affair with a French student. There's also a home invasion scene with a couple who wear like heavy metal bracelets, uh, you know, with all the studs and. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a chainsaw maniac nightmare. There's a weightlifting scene. Uh, there's a couple of seances. Um, it's packed. Yeah, it, it packs a lot in. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't say it was boring. It's um, boring. I knew exactly where it was going yeah. after watching Maniac. That was it. Uh, yeah, I saw more, but I can save them if you like. No, not at all. Okay, uh, saw so, uh, not some Hong Kong movies. Uh, one called Gu from 1981. <laughs> um, in, in this case, it means bewitched. Nice. Um, this is directed by Guishi Hong, who did Boxer's Omen. Ah. Um, Hong Kong tourist in Bangkok takes advantage of a local and she curses him with the oil of carcass spell so that he ends up sentenced to death uh, for killing his daughter with a nine-inch nail through the head. This is the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um, the detective goes to Thailand to find out more. Um, visually interesting... Uh, but until the last act, there's uh, no sense of urgency or danger to the hero. Uh, but the last hour is mostly this gruesome magic war between this monk and a bat wizard. Uh, so you've got maggots, worms, snakes, chicken, a pot of babies, a possessed nurse. <laughs> uh, it's basically a warm-up for Boxer's Omen. Boxer's oh, okay. Omen just takes it way beyond the limit. Um this one's gross, but... Just up to the line. Still warming up. Um, and then at the end you get this message saying, um, the moral of this story is to admonish people against casual sex and to beware of black magic. Hmm, okay. So it's got a moral to it. Good, and you just slap that on the end. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, realistically, either one of those things could hurt you on some level, so... Maybe. Proceed with some caution. Uh, so, an Argentinian movie called Blood of the Virgins from 1967. Uh, this is 75 minutes long. Um, so, this is filmed down in southwest Argentina. Uh, mm. Looks beautiful. Um, so, these uh, people are in period costume, but uh, f- 
from the second shot, you can tell that they're in the 20th century. There's, there's, they're in front of this plate glass window. It's just like... <laughs> um, anyway, um, there's red filter shots of a seagull. I don't know if it's meant to be a vampire bat or just a seagull with a red filter over it. Never mm. figured it out, but that keeps cropping up. Um, so a, a vampire turns up at the woman's wedding night bed. Um, so I guess it was supposed to be a bat. Um, she becomes an ended bride, and then the credits roll. Um, there's some nice art under the credits. Um, then you get these modern-day rich kids dancing, skiing. Uh, there's more gold bats. Um, they're messing about on boats. Um, there's a... Uh, Nice landscape, beautiful landscapes. Um, lots of lovemaking. No dialogue. This goes on for 16 minutes. Hmm. Um, then the van runs out of petrol up in the mountains, so they stay at a haunted lodge. They know it's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's a haunted lodge up here. Let's go stay at the haunted lodge. Um, Sounds reasonable. Uh, one of them says, Fantomas. And another one says, Ave Maria. Hmm. <laughs> um I liked it when these two vampires go in for a snog, but they can't work out how to do it because they've got these fangs. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, as I say, beautiful landscape, but um, <laughs> this is a weird movie. Kind of, kind of little, enjoyed it. Little? Okay. One of those kind of late night sleepers. Um, Postal Inspector from 1936. Uh, this has got Bola Lugosi. He stars as this nightclub owner who steals old cash uh, in the post and uh, ends up getting trapped in this flooded city with his gang. So it's kind of a disaster movie, um, uh, romance movie, musical. There's tips uh, about post. There's all this... There's always scenes of people who are turning up to the postal inspector complaining about these these mail-order gadgets they got, like things that most... Uh, supposed to extend their hair or make them taller or do their sausages for them. Um, that sounds all, great. Yeah, it's all fascinating stuff and it's it's less than an hour. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's like flooded city. and. What was the cause of the flood? It's just a, a, a storms Too much in rain. California. Yeah. Uh, doesn't happen these days. No, no, they got it all sorted out. They're getting out. a lot of rain now. Oh, boy. Um, so, yeah, it zips by fast enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that, that was that one. Um, sort of a Filipino movie called Shake, Rattle and Roll. Um, so this is basically the only horror franchise that's still going in the Philippines. Wow. Um, there's, there's been 15 entries to date. So Shake, Rattle and Roll... Uh, started in 1984. Uh, it's uh, you get three stories um, by different directors. Oh, okay. And these come out like most Christmases. Oh, okay. Um, Excellent. So, uh, yeah, the first one here is called uh, Basso. Uh, you got three friends: Johnny, uh, Paolo, and the girlfriend named Girly. They hold a seance at an old house and they awaken an old love triangle. Uh, and it's historically interesting because the love triangle takes place during the um, uh, Philippine Revolution um, when they were fighting against the Spanish and the Americans helped them out and then took over the Philippines. Yeah. Oh, that was a... Oh. <sighs> yep. Or some bad stories there. Um. So uh, then the second story is called Refrigerator. Um, it's about a haunted refrigerator. Oh, okay. Um, no messing. Um, so a family rents a new house um, where a murder has occurred. Um, first of all, they find a dead pigeon in the fridge. Um, the, uh, Did the pigeon do a double take? <laughs> um, the, the, the fridge does heavy breathing, um, transforms ingredients into body parts. Um, the maid gets slammed to death in the door. Um, two boys get chopped up. Um, and there's a headline in the newspaper saying, uh, chop, chop, killer strikes again. Mm. Lovely. Yeah, All right. Yeah, the, uh, the local slang for chop, chop is tut tut. Tut tut. 
Um, there's a head in the fridge. Always, oh, okay. always a classic. Yeah. And then the third story is called uh, Mananangal, which is a particular variation on a like a blood-sucking creature. It's like a the woman that tears herself in half yeah, and she, flies around. Yeah, yeah. And she grows bat wings out of her shoulders and yeah. leaves her legs behind. Yeah, and goes flying around and bites people. Uh, pretty lame monster. You'd think it would be scary. Yeah, it'd be scary if it came out of the dark at you. But um, you know, she uh, she she goes after this family. Um, so this is set shortly before Good Friday. Uh, a man is killed by something in the jungle, and then the guy playing Jesus in the local passion play gets all uh, upset and cussing people out because now they don't have anyone to play Pontius Pilate. Oh. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, there's there's this local girl who lives outside of town and she's uh, the Menanangal and um, uh, a guy named Douglas serenades her with his guitar uh, before he knows what she is Um, and then he sees her uh, leave her legs behind and fly off and uh, he, uh, he, he burns her legs with salt and holy water to stop her from coming back so she she goes after his family and uh, there's like these little kids and there's Douglas and his his grandmother and they're all fine. They just fight her off. Oh. Smack her with bamboo sticks and stuff like that. Oh. Even Sausage the dog is okay. Um, so, you know, it's, it's fun stuff. But I, I was going to say, could you not just... Not much of a threat. I, when you said that, you know, he saw her leave her legs behind, he was like, could you just destroy the legs? <laughs> I guess you can. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, saw this movie called Scream Baby Scream from 1969, directed by Joseph Adler. Um, it says, uh, art student named Jason. Uh, I'll, I'll just read my notes because I don't remember much of this. <laughs> art student named Jason is hit by a car and is in, hosp- in hospital, flashes back to his life drawing class where he's drawing a different pose to the models. Um then a woman is attacked by a pasty-faced dude. I'm not sure if it's still the flashback because he's not there for it. Hmm. So it's one of those flashbacks where yeah. he's flashing Who back on things this? he wasn't around for. Um, she gets disfigured by... Oh, the, the dude is disfigured by surgery. Jason is this jerk. You just hate this guy. And he's the main character. Oh, good. <laughs> um, as well as being a poor artist. Um, his girlfriend is much more serious about art, um, but he's he's pressuring her to give it up and be his housewife and uh, undermines her belief in herself, uh, doesn't believe when she sees the pasty face dude again. Um, he drops acid and takes her for a bike ride. Very mm. irresponsible. Yeah. He's patronizing. Um, he's sarcastic to her. Um, she finally calls him a rat. And he immediately strikes up with another woman, like the same shot. Oh, man. Uh, shortly after this, Jason's flashback turns into a flashback for this guy called Charles Butler, who's this mad scientist who moves in with a... Uh, he's a mad artist who moves in with a mad scientist. Then the flashbacks merge, and uh, there's a lot of um, dark scenes. I couldn't tell what was going on. Um, there's lots of yelling goes on. <laughs> And then we get back to the start again, and you can see the shoulder of one of the crew members <laughs> in front of the camera. And uh, and then there's a moral at the end of this one. It says, uh, you see, yesterday's nightmare is today's dream and tomorrow's reality. Boo. Because the future <laughs> is where we'll all live in the future. Yeah. It's where we will spend the rest of our lives. So there you go, bunch of winners for you. Yeah, nice. sounds like it. Well, I had a few interesting choices of my own, and one of which we already discussed: Halloween ends. Um, if we're lucky, yeah, it does. <laughs> they quit doing this. Um, He's going to do The Exorcist next. Oh God, no! <laughs> it's like what you couldn't give him that to Jordan Peele. Okay, fine. Um, I watched this movie, this um, documentary called Hollyweird. Hope, hoping it would be like one of the Mondo movies. It's not. I mean, it, it makes an effort, but it's not great. Um, 
This is directed by a guy named Dustin Ferguson. It's, oh, if I were to read you the blurb, I don't think it would tell you much. But uh, basically, it just goes through, and it's mostly like talking head interviews with um, just some people who are kind of strange or have done weird things in um, L.A., in Hollywood. So you've got uh, a woman who decided she wanted to be like a horror host. Uh, this guy, the the main guy that they, they cover at the beginning, kind of vaguely looks like Jeffrey Dahmer, and he talks about how he made a movie about Jeffrey Dahmer, and a lot of people gave him a hard time about it. But then he tells you all kinds of outlandish, crazy stuff that he's been part and parcel to living in Hollyweird. And it just goes through like six or seven of these kind of talking head interviews and then it's over. Um, it was it's got a 2.8 there on IMDB. I saw yeah, I out did. of 10. So, so I didn't look at anything Quality. like that before I watched it. Uh, as a palate cleanser, I watched something I have not seen since it came out in the late eighties. Um, Depeche mode one Oh one it's called. It's uh, for some weird reason, they decided they were going to do some competition for a bunch of people who could dance really well to road trip to meet up with Depeche Mode at the end of their tour and be inside a VIP area. It really doesn't serve any sort of a narrative or story to what it's like for Depeche Mode to be on the road. Mm -hmm. But you see a lot of great behind the scenes stuff with the band you know, rehearsals, sound checks, life on the road kind of stuff, uh, and live performances. And these guys, I've seen them a few times, could perform really well live. Uh, always worth seeing. But uh, Music for the Masses had come out and was a just a huge album for them. Um, I think they really kind of found their, their sound at that point. And then this album came out, this live album. After that, the next one that came out was Violator which was a, a another huge solid album for them. So if you like all that stuff from that time period, this is kind of fun to watch. Uh, watching the kind of real world style antics pre the real world um, of this group of young people, it, it's probably not going to do much for you, but it doesn't really, it doesn't make it impossible to watch. Then I watched a documentary called Fanarchy. This is from 2015. Uh, it covers some cosplay kind of people, but it also covers people who are making content and art that has to do with their favorite franchises. And to give you an example, one of them they, they show is these, these folks have decided they were going to make more episodes of the original Star Trek. Yeah. And the yes. cast looks enough like them and they can kind of act. And the yeah. sets look great. The yeah. costumes look great. Yeah. That that segment alone was a lot of fun to watch. You guys have seen that? Uh, yeah, I've seen it. It's called like the Legend Continues or something like that. Uh, Star Trek, the Extended the, Voyages, something. Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah. yeah. But it looks great. I was very impressed. But you get a lot of uh, celebrity interviews, including Denise Crosby and. Um, what I don't understand about fans like that is, why don't you just scrape the serial numbers off whatever you like and make it it's kind of like star trek but we didn't take anything that's gonna get us sued and that's i mean that's isn't a, that yeah how people used to do it i mean star wars just took everything from other stuff and yeah put it in a blender and then Battlestar galactica kind of ripped off star wars <laughs> so much from star wars i think that was mostly special effects stuff yeah but if you've uh, been to some comic cons and you like you know, kind of watching what super fans get up to, then it's, it's, it's worth watching. Um, and that's it for my recently watched. So will you chose Pearl? Yes. All right. Uh, tell us how you, uh, how you felt about your first watching. Uh, I was blown away immediately. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like like I described after I watched it, but it felt like a horror movie from the 70s, but not the Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of slasher film of the 70s. Not the that gritty the, kind. That, that X was, that this was the kind of... The refined one. Sort of refined, yeah. Maybe the studio didn't put a whole lot of money into it, but they got a, you know, you got a really good director or somebody, you know, 
Richard Donner or somebody directing this kind of weird film that's uh you know kind of outside the the boundaries of 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 normal horror movies you know um yeah i i was just blown away i uh i don't know what to say I, you know what what's interesting about this is you say that and it and it really does feel like all the people involved with this really seem capable of just switching aesthetics and genre well not genres but um basically switching aesthetics yeah and and maybe uh uh periods and settings for these movies and and really selling it you know i think ty west is definitely a student of cinema i think he you know is there are people who really don't like him and what he does yeah and there are people who think he can do no wrong but uh i'm somewhere in the middle i think he's done some great stuff and yeah, uh, I've really liked the last two he's done. I wasn't so wild about the house that the devil built or whatever. Oh, <laughs> house of the devil. House of the devil. Yeah, see, that's the thing is, but if although you, maybe I should go back and rewatch it. Maybe you should because I like the one before that, the Handkeepers. Was that it? That was after it. Yeah. Oh, that was after it. Okay. Yeah, I like that one. Mm-hmm. So. But it did look like a, you know, what was it set in the early 80s? Yeah, it was 80s, supposed to be in the yeah. 80s. Yeah, I wanted to say 82, 83-ish. Um, House of the Devil looked authentically that that period. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got a really good sense of the aesthetics and the production values mm-hmm. of something from then. So he can kind of hint at it without the movie suffering. Yeah. You know, because he, he doesn't have to go, oh, well, the film stock would have been a little on the edge and wouldn't wouldn't look great or you know the camera techniques were limited to these things prior to what a lot of people started to do i think he knows this and and just walks that line and i think that's kind of ty west west's strength um Julian, what did you think on your first viewing of this? I really liked it, yeah. yeah. Oh, thought, good. Yeah, Will didn't oversell it at all. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, I was very afraid that I had all oversold it because... I've seen it three times now, and it's just like, yeah. I I very rarely buy movies, and I mm. rushed out to buy this one. Yeah, when this whole trilogy's done, I'm going to get the set. Yeah. And you can, I, I think, if you depending on what order you watch them in, you'll get a different experience. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you guys, what do you think of this functioning as a prequel, but it could also stand alone? What do you think? I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, they evidently came up with this idea during quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, because they had wrapped on X, I guess, but hadn't. hadn't they were, they were out. like they were like spitballing. Uh huh. Yeah. Like they were thinking about what's her backstory. Yeah. And and by the time they they'd finished X, they had this whole whole backstory done. ready. They didn't know if it was going to happen or not. Ah. Uh, but then it got greenlit. And I am glad it did. So four weeks later, they made this. That's awesome. Cause uh, yeah, I I love the way it ties into uh covid in a way with the spanish flu yeah and when mom is first telling her like you know cover up you think it's Mm -hmm. maybe she's religious and she wants her to cover her hair or something you really like oh no she's talking about a mask and how everybody has to wear a mask and interesting little parallels there uh mia goth's acting though was what sold this movie uh i like the story but if the if she wasn't acting as well as she did, um, I don't think it would have been as strong mm-hmm. no. because her acting and her speech, her monologue near the end <laughs> blows me away. Yeah. Uh, that and the, the final shot, which I won't spoil by saying oh what it God. is, but wow. Yeah. yeah. You get these two monologues. There's like uh, uh, Tandy Wright is her mother, Ruth. Mm-hmm. She has one where she like goes from restrained and quiet takes it way up <laughs> yeah by the end of it and then it's like apocalyptic and then shortly after that you get me and got doing her yeah monologue because i had heard oh the monologue's great and so when the mom first did it i was like is this the monologue they talked mm-hmm. about this is really yeah, good this is great this is great and then <laughs> mia goth comes out with her monologue and you're like oh my god yeah and it's great because it's one of those horror movies where you understand the villain and you mm-hmm. don't want to because they're an awful person. Yeah. But you're like, 
damn, she's right. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about this is I think, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to know from, uh, you know, a certain point of the, you know, beginning at a certain point of the movie, we're not going to be able to guess if there were circumstances and events that made her bad, so to speak. Um, or the villain or the murderer or whatever you want to call her, the mass murderer. Um, but uh, Pearl maybe was just born bad. Maybe she's just, n- no matter what happened in her life, maybe she was never going to be right. Yeah, she knows she's not right. Yeah. yeah. She's aware of it and um, she makes efforts, but against her best efforts, she still ends up the mass murderer. Some. Uh, this reminded me of uh, Catcher in the Rye and uh, Killer Inside Me, where yes. you have this central character who knows they're bad. Society has no way of dealing with them until there's a disaster. Yes, that is a good comparison. I'm interested to see how um, Brian sent me a link to this trailer, and I don't want either one of you to watch it. But uh, coming out this year is Infinity Pool, and Mia Goth is in that. Oh, okay. So uh, he also sent me a link to um, uh, Renfield. So okay, <laughs> that comes out this month, doesn't it? I think both of them come out this month. Um, maybe uh, Infinity Pool might be released um, February or March, but um, no, I think it was. No, I think Infinity Pool is this month, like the twenty something. Mm. Mm, okay, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what else happens with her and how they bring back Thanos. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I first noticed her in um, uh, was it a cure for wellness? Oh, okay. Yeah. She's not in it much. No. But I, she's really striking when she turns up in that movie. I didn't realize she was British. Yeah. So there's a Brit doing a really good American accent. Yeah. Unlike Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> um, Have you seen her? What her full name is? Have you heard what? It's crazy. Mia Gypsy Mellow. Da Silva Goth. Okay, parents, good job. <laughs> yeah, she's she's great in Suspiria. And... Yeah, yeah. So she's just a breakout, you know, terrific actor that we need that these days. We're 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 going to be spoiled. We've got all these good directors and some good actors. Yeah, you know, horror is benefiting from the last couple few years. I think so. I think COVID really, as terrible as it was, it's it's helped that horror. Maybe, yeah. Well, it's good because it, it, you know, it's, it's, it, you have to be introspective. It's mm-hmm. horrific. It's apocalyptic. Yeah. I mean, it sounds awful to say, but... It you is. Know, it's, uh, you know... Yeah. Um, is, is Bad for... times make good art. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> bad people can make good art too <laughs> uh as far as how the story is put together did you both like the the progression watching the character mm-hmm. sort of form yeah yeah um yeah you uh well i mean right off the bat i mean you know because you've watched x probably that she's crazy but um mm-hmm. yeah i mean right out the gate she kills a goose for no good reason. For no good reason. Feeds it to an alligator. like, it's And then nothing. gives it, which is named Theta. <laughs> it's interesting, like, how convenient to have an alligator right there. Yeah. You know, just like, it's dangerous to have it nearby, but it's also very convenient if you're doing some killing and you need to dispose of yeah. bodies or evidence or, you know, if you can consider a goose evidence of your mental illness. I liked uh, that she wanted to be a star and wanted to be a dancer. And then when we get to see her audition, and it's so unhinged, yeah. because you think going into it, she's going to be really good, mm-hmm. but right. they're going to reject her for some reason. Right. But then, yeah, it's just so unhinged, and you can tell she's nuts. Yeah. And, uh, wow. I'm no expert on choreography or dancing. But it did look kooky to me. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty kooky. It started out like, okay, maybe she's got something. And then it was just out there. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and why they're auditioning in this small town is is not really clear. Yeah, they were 
road trips. They'd have touring groups of dancing girls. Yeah, I guess for shows. True. So you you need new talent. So you go to some little town in Texas. Yeah, you know that makes sense. Pick on some poor naive country girl. Underpay her. Underpay her and exploit her. Yeah. So she's dried up and throw her away. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, there's like uh, elements of whatever happened to Baby Jane. Yes. Yes. Mm, yeah. Um. Do you think? Okay. Like uh, once we get, once we get the third movie. Um. So do you think that most people are going to want to watch these as trilogies, or just going to be like, oh, I liked this one, but not that one? I mean, is it going to be cohesive enough? I think these two, I'm, I haven't seen the third one, obviously, and the only trailers doesn't show anything. So it's perfect trailer. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Brilliant. You know, Love it just it. flies Maxine. over the Hollywood sign, which yeah. is her name. And so you, I don't know where it's going to go. I have no idea. But I, two have I, been good so far. So Yeah. Um, with uh, X, you have the kind of um, 70s, 16 millimeter mm-hmm. aesthetic. And this one is the Douglas Sirk, uh 50s movie, kind of harkening back to Silent Days movies. Yes. There's yes. a, there a bunch of those in the 50s. Yeah. Um, so even though this is a prequel, and prequels usually mean, oh, I know where this is going, there's no suspense. There's so much drama in this there's so many uh like dilemmas going on it's i didn't it didn't bother me at all didn't even think about it no yeah yeah yeah, agreed i don't i don't really think about oh what's what's going to make her go forward with this to become the elderly woman who's still doing murders yeah uh i assume it's the same axe I, mean, I think it was the same pitchfork. <laughs> yeah, same pitchfork, same axe. Same gator. Um, same gator. Yeah, it probably was the same gator. How old can gators live to be? They live pretty old. <laughs> as yeah. long as you have enough people to feed to them. Yeah, it, and she's got a nest of eggs. Yeah, the uh, I was going to say the uh, the tortoise wouldn't really work as a deus ex machina. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> hold it, hold it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, find, I found this is... This is um, it's not um because the first one mm. you had her playing the older and young younger characters, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, so uh, you've already got that parallel going, but with this one, which like reminds you of X, of course, um, as well as telling her backstory, um, uh, but not like explaining things just. Just showing, showing stuff, and and letting you know she didn't just recently get crazy. <laughs> yeah, um, an ex. I find this was like a triptych more than uh, like a uh, prequel. Yes, these are like films which are complementing each other. Yeah, that's and a... so you, so when I was watching it, you're thinking of the other movie at the same time. So. Um, so watching uh, this one, I was aware of the elder Pearl um, as well, while I was watching the young Pearl. Um, I was aware that it was an older Hollywood uh, that uh, form, um, which was harkening back to an even older Hollywood. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as well as looking forward to later horror. So this is like a, you know, like Douglas Sirk movies, they're, they're already, there's like these dark hints. He mm-hmm. couldn't go as far as this movie does. But no. There's always, there's always perversities going on under the yeah. uh, behavior of these characters. Um, so, so you had those levels to it. It also had, um, because this is 1918, you had the, like the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. So people wearing masks and being warned not to spit. Or Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was paralleling, like... Uh, contemporary history um so uh yeah and and then you're also thinking about uh, maxine from x and how she's going to turn out in exactly in in the third film so it's like all these different time periods going on at the same time in your head 
Yeah, I think a triptych is a perfect way to describe this rather than, than like a series. It's yeah. not, you know, no one person's story is progressing or group progressing over three movies. It's three people who have a connection. Uh, I guess just two people, but... <laughs> yeah, and it's not backstory in a bad way. No, no. It's, it's not Rob Zombie's Halloween. <laughs> no. Yeah, this, it, is, this is not the, the Norwegian camp at the thing. Of... Right, yeah, right. this, you know... <laughs> Um, now reading on this, uh, it, one of the people who wrote about it said that it pays homage to, um, golden age of Hollywood, particularly wizard of Oz and Mary Poppins. Um, I didn't notice anything Mary Poppins, but I did mm-hmm. get some wizard of Oz vibes in this. Yeah. The saturated color, the farm, uh, the costumes, the know. scarecrow scene. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, he looks yeah. a lot like. And it, I was like, "Is there a person in that costume?" Yeah. Sometimes there, it looked like there too was. uncanny. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't tell, and that was a good scene. Yes, because at first you're like, mm, "I don't know, this scene seems a little." I didn't quite know where it was going. Was there anywhere in the movie where you wanted her to go further than she did? No, I think it was perfect build up. Yeah. There was no point at which you're like, oh, but what if she did this or? Well, you have to, I mean, you don't don't have to, but in a way you have to consider, you know, she's lived there for 80 years, we know. Right. Um, She must have not gone too crazy that, that they would have caught her and locked her away. That as far as we know. Either these were all the perfect crime because of the alligator disposal system or maybe she went away for 30, 40, 50 years. Could be. We don't know. But uh, yeah. I don't think she, you know, I don't know, blew up a school or something that would have, you know, been way out there. But uh, she chopped her, her sister-in-law. Yeah. She killed the projectionist she had a thing for. Yeah. Because he was supposed to take her away, but then he didn't. And I loved his scene where he was trying to get away. And he's like, well, okay, I'll see you later. Okay, <laughs> bye now. And she just keeps talking about the animals. It's her friends. He's like, okay, that's great. We'll see you around. <laughs> nope, it's never that easy with her. Apparently. No. Yeah, if, if, if you just made a run for it, you still might not make it. No, you know. And it was great how her sister-in-law got the part, but didn't say anything till. I mean, you figured yeah, she got the part. Yeah, she's the ex. She's she's the one that, that they're looking for. Yeah, not Pearl. Oh man, yeah, Just, the... yeah. This has been a great year for horror movies, but this is this is a topper for me. So twenty twenty two, this is the top. Yeah, as far as horror goes. Yeah, I well, don't watch other movies anymore. Eh, I don't much anymore either. <laughs> you know, and this one's got good. A drama to it and it's, it's just a really it's just objectively a good film yeah whatever the genre is yeah yeah you could cut all the horror out of this and just you know have have leaned into the writing the drama of it and it would have would have been really interesting to see this girl with overbearing mom and disabled yeah, but, dad but then then they're not just like uh carrie is it's not just like they're horrible parents like the dad's stuck in that body. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's obviously sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I got the feeling that he was sympathetic to, to both the women. Right. Being stuck with him. Uh, the mother, I mean, she could have been just a, a monster, but she's trapped there. Mm-hmm. What can she do? Yeah. Um, you know, she, she comes out at the end and says, like, uh, he, he, you know, I wanted a husband and I got this. Right. Yeah. Um, so... Of course, she she has to say, Pearl, you have to stay. You're you're doomed to being a caretaker just like me. Right. What else can she do? She's got a farm to run. Yeah. She's got to take care of all those animals and her husband. Yeah. She's got no choice. Yeah. And the other thing I loved about it was, and and apart from the photography and everything, was the soundtrack. It's spot on. Mm Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. This one fired on all cylinders. Yes, everything was good. You know, like I said, uh, right after I watched it, I'm like, this is one I'm going to be thinking about for a while. And I have been. Just 
usually when I think about a movie, it's because it was a little off in some way. <laughs> Uh, my, my, the first one that I really remember thinking about a lot was Buffalo 66. It's like, I like that movie, but nothing about it should have worked. And so I'd spend weeks thinking about it. Like, why did I like that? What, what was it about that? You know, and, uh, this wasn't that way. I didn't think about it that way. I just kept having the scenes flash in my mind, like, you know, uh, her chasing after her sister-in-law and you're like god she's she's gonna get her you know she's gonna get her it's it's bad you know and and her sister-in-law is sympathetic i mean people didn't like pearl because she was weird weird but her sister-in-law tried kind of i mean her sister-in-law seemed wealthy they i believe they were wealthy she seemed sympathetic and honest with her it didn't seem like she was you know I'm going to go make fun of Pearl. Or... Yeah, she was supportive. She, she wanted was. to go to that dance thing. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, no, you go. Come on. we got to do this. Uh, yeah. I liked how slow the pacing was. It felt. Yeah, it didn't rush any part of it. It didn't did it? rush, but it wasn't draggy in any way. It was just a deliberate pace. It was really harkened back to, you know, uh, movies of the, of the 70s that were kind of copying the 50s and whatnot. Um, yeah, it reminded me of that, uh, Grassland movie we watched that was, uh, set in the teens, I think, and the two witchy girls were oh, yeah. living out in the prairie. Hex. Oh, yeah. Hex, yeah. Now, this one, uh, came in at 102 minutes. Didn't feel that long. Uh-uh. And I'm one who does complain when I were, when, you know, hour two goes by and they're still going and it's you, you look at the runtime and you go this thing's two hours and 40 minutes or two hours and 20 minutes most movies don't need to be uh that long yeah but i, but I think that's kind of the new thing isn't it is for movies to be significantly over two hours i yeah i think that's a a draw to get people to go yeah, it seems weird to me. Like I want, you know, I want you to be able to tell me a story in, in eighty-two minutes. <laughs> God damn it, that's the only requirement. Yeah, I don't care what the story is. Got to fit in two <laughs> film cans, stick the movie poster on top, and ship the damn yeah. thing. No, but I mean, a hundred, a hundred minutes is fine. You know, ninety minutes is ideal. A hundred minutes is fine. Mm-hmm. When it gets to when it hits the two-hour mark, it better be such a good movie that you don't notice it. Yeah. And this at one hundred and two minutes, you don't notice it. No, no. Like I said, it's it's slow pace, but it's never boring or anything. Yeah, it was boring. <laughs> I knew what was going to happen. Uh, I shut it off after thirty seconds. <laughs> I knew, knew what was going to happen because it's a prequel. Yeah. So the sister-in-law was Ruth. Ruth, I think. At Mitzi. 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 Oh, okay, is Ruth the mom? Ruth is the mom. Yeah. Okay. okay, well, she's a New Zealander. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. I thought I would let you know that. She wasn't really German. Yeah. Um, yeah, this... Yeah, uh, you have that, too. Uh, World War One's going on, so there's some anti-German... Sentiments. Sentiments <laughs> in the town. Yeah, she has to keep quiet. Yeah, don't tell them you're German. Yeah, that's uh, that's so weird. Only thing I left wondering was why did Howard stay with her all those years? Yes. Did well, he... you didn't even meet him because he's off at the war. Yeah, exactly. So we... what, what did that do to him? We see fan... True. Yeah, we see we fantasy versions know. of him that she imagines. Yeah. But we don't see any actual flashbacks. And that's one thing about this movie is a lot of the stuff we see through her eyes. Mm-hmm. And so we don't really know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you only get to see him when he turns up for the dinner at the end yeah yeah which is just that would mess you up yeah and he may already be messed up yeah. from the war yeah. so maybe that's why he stayed with her i was thinking maybe he stayed with her because well one he loved her but two he felt kind of responsible for her in some way i don't know if this is what really happened but maybe he stayed with her to keep her from <laughs> Going and killing the, yes. the townspeople. Keep it quiet for those years. Uh huh. 
Yeah, that's a good possibility. Maybe they're those parents who stay together for the sake of the gator. Perhaps, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she won't take the divorce well. Yeah, I got to think that that uh, maybe her craziness wasn't quite blossoming yet, and he's been gone for a while. And he's just like, yeah, she's a little odd, but you know what? I'll stick with her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got the feeling, again, I don't know if this is true, but I got the feeling that they met and married and he went to war almost immediately, probably got married because he was going to war. <clears throat> that would make sense. You know, and now he's going to get home. And... Oh, boy. Oh, what did I marry into? <laughs> I'm going to go for a swim. Well, at least later. the in-laws are dead, so I got that going for me. Yeah, you don't have to make all those weird plans for Christmas <laughs> yeah. and Thanksgiving. You know? Yeah. It's one of those make-or-break scenes in every early marriage. Yeah. Ooh, she killed my sister. <laughs> Should I stay with her? Well, so the dig- sex is good because <laughs> she's crazy. Yeah. So dig this. The budget was $1 million. Nice. This made 9.4 at the box office. Plus whatever you paid for that uh, Blu-ray. I pay $13. See, that's Thing great. 12.96. Plus tax. Plus tax. Yeah, so it's continuing to make money. I'm sure streaming licensing it for streaming it'll be, you know, the pay the pay-per-view or whatever they call this it. Should, this should pick up some major awards which should help it. I, I hope so. I want to see that happen. I always have my doubts because, you know, like horror as a genre gets marginalized a lot, but mm-hmm. it'd be cool to see the Academy at least recognize the work, even if it's not their taste. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, although I, I think maybe horror is better because it's a bit marginalized. Yeah. I, I don't care about the actual, I, I, I like the recognition for the people involved Yeah, and f- for them getting a financial boost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But horror itself, I don't think really no. needs that because that leads to you know, big budget, studio control, elevated horror. All mm-hmm. oh, the jerks yeah. in the suits will come in and ruin stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you pay too much, I mean, that's kind of the appeal I had for comic books for a while. Was like, this is so f- sort of fringe. Nobody cares. Mm. You can do whatever you want. In comic books. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, once you start aiming for respectable people. It yeah, it's not dead. no, you know. Yeah, you don't want that. Not really. Uh so um one last thing I wanted to to um kind of bounce off you guys is do you think if they removed all of the really overt gory stuff? Mhm. And I'm talking about dismembering kind of stuff or, you know, showing the actual uh, heads exploding, arms getting chopped off, that sort of thing. If that were um, sort of Hitchcocked out of the movie and you mm-hmm. just saw Im- implications of it, mm-hmm. would this still work as well? Or, yeah, or, so. or even better? Because well, it did when it was called Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because uh, in my honest opinion is I think it would work just as well. Yeah, yeah I think so. Doesn't put me off that the gore is there. No. No. But uh, I'll always appreciate a bit of gore. That's one of the things I like. You had this, like, the Douglas Soak movie aesthetics. Yeah. And the body acting, like, in this broad sort of 50s melodrama manner. But then this, like, <laughs> extreme gore. Yeah. Hor- yeah. Horrifying gore. <laughs> yeah, when she stabs the projectionist with a pitchfork over and over. Oh, yeah. And then she <laughs> stamps on it with his foot. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Holy wow. Oh, God. Yeah, and the sister-in-law, she chops her limbs off. Feed her to the gator. She almost fed her dad to the gator. She had this weird relationship with her dad that was a little Mm -hmm. off-putting. Yeah. Yeah, you're not really 100% clear that it wasn't something bad before he became disabled. Yeah. Um, So, that question being answered... uh, Anything else about the movie before we do the recommends? Yeah, definitely one of the best of the year and classic horror movie of all time. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, I think we're in, uh, little did we realize we would suddenly be in this golden age of horror movies, but we are. 
And I think it's maybe started with, uh, well, Del Toro, obviously, but Robert Eggers came along. Um, Jordan Peele came along. Ty West is... I, I've not seen half the horror movies that came out last year, and I've got a top ten of excellent yeah. horror yeah. movies. You don't need to see them all to have a fantastic top ten. That says a lot. So, recommends. Definitely. Jol- yeah. Jolian? Yep. Same here. Highly recommend it. I mean, I've watched it three <clears throat> times now, so... I yeah. almost never rewatch stuff that quickly. I yeah. mean, I might rewatch a movie five, six years later. Uh, or let it absorb for some number of weeks. Yeah. Uh, usually <clears throat> it's it's not, oh, I need to watch that tonight. The last time I did that was for a Mia Goth movie. Oh, yeah? For Suspiria? Suspiria, yeah. Oh, yeah. watched it three times in one weekend. Oh, that's right. I remember. Yeah, it was so odd. How different that was from the original, but it worked for its own merits and its own strengths. Yeah. Well, you couldn't have made, remade it no. like the original. It would be a terrible idea. Yeah. And I think that's kind of brilliant, even though I didn't care for the Suspiria remake uh, so much. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Well, we have a lot to look forward to. So, um, speaking of werewolf movies, how about dog soldiers for next time? <laughs> I don't think Halloween Ends has any werewolves in it. Or dog soldiers. You know, the only thing that could have saved Halloween Ends is some yes. fucking werewolves. <laughs> werewolf in a Captain Kirk mask. man <laughs> versus Michael Myers. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so, my pick... Dog soldiers. <laughs> it's pronounced Halloween ends. <laughs> we'll talk about that too. After you've watched it, yes. I can't wait. Maybe oh, we, boy, you know oh boy. what? Maybe we will make a uh, whole episode just out of that. Okay. We'll come in and record we, dog soldiers. Yeah, we won't need to. We'll just like <clears throat> so. Will what have you seen recently? And we're off. That'll be the next hour. <laughs> oh, I watched Halloween ends. Yeah. With all those werewolves. I'll say Pearl kind of derailed my watching of of a lot of other things than i had planned yeah you know well that's good yeah that's a good so i ended it. up watching things i'd already seen like uh santos and the vampire women mm. fantastic the, uh, there you go uh aztec mummy versus a robot a robot versus the wrestling women versus the aztec mummy <laughs> Oh, oh, I've seen that one too. Yeah. Yes. This is... Rebel versus the Aztec Mummy. Uh huh. Where the guy is like <laughs> in a water cooler. Mm-hmm. And you can see his face. That's cool. Oh, it's so bad. All right. Well, let's call so it. So awesome. A... Let's call it a show. It's a show. Listeners, thank you for listening. Insert quote here.